This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXLAM and FM streaming live over the internet. And coming to you from our chilly and windy studio, not quite inside, but outside, chilly and windy, here in the fair city of Concord, the capital of the great state of New Hampshire, brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour, celebrate life at the Birches. Call 224-9111. I'm joined by Chris Ryan, who has come back from the sunny South, who's decided that his career as a relief pitcher for the Boston Red Sox <laughs> is going to have to take a backseat to his career as radio guy extraordinaire on WKXL. And uh, I'm also pleased to uh, welcome to Off the Record uh, a guest, um, late of Washington, D.C., now free to flap his wings wherever the oil derricks are booming. Uh, I want to welcome uh, Secretary, former Secretary of State Rex Tillerson. Oh, Paul, I'm, I'm very glad, very glad to be here with you and with Chris Ryan, who I know to be a baseball fan like I am, and, and I guess... Uh, Right now, I guess you'd say I struck out. I, I, I thought <laughs> I, I, I thought we had a deal. I thought that uh, number 45 and I had a deal with Vlad, our, our buddy Vlad, uh, that my oil company, I have a little company called ExxonMobil, and we thought we had a deal for some oil in Siberia, and Vlad assured us both that a $500 billion deal was going down, and then something happened. I don't know what, but uh, that deal disappeared, and then uh, number 45 invited me in to to do away with the State Department. Because after all, what's a bunch of diplomatic toadies good for anyway? They just sit around contemplating their navel and talking all day. You, you've been in them embassies? Why, you go to them fancy embassies, and that's just a bunch of cocktails and parties. So I did my best to get rid of rid of the State Department. I fired everybody because, after all, uh, that's what uh, the the president of the United States told me to do. He said, "Get rid of them." So I was more than happy to start firing everybody and 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 trying to reorganize in a way that would make forty five happy. Oh well, you you never did it right. Oh, Wait, we have another guest. It's a very bad impression of the president <laughs> of the United States has come. I'm strongly petulant. Okay, strongly petulant. Melania said to me, she said, Donald, why don't you get rid of that 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 Tillerson? He's his hair is white. He just goes around and says different. He said everything different from me every time. He he got up and said, We're not talking to North Korea. I said, we're talking to North Korea. I had to fire him. 
because that's what I know how to do. I got my own reality TV show now. It's called The White House. You're fired. Well, that's true. He he fired me, but I, you know, I, he didn't even tell me about it. I was flying home, and all of a sudden, the Twitter starts tweeting, and the little birdie lands on my shoulder by tweet, and it says, Rex, you're out of action. Rex, it's back to the ranch. You can just go back to Texas and drill for oil. And I don't know what's happening. Uh, uh, listen, don't tell me I can fire everybody. I'm about to fire my national security advisor because I'm strongly petulant about that. Got to work on this Trump. It's a hideous impression. But but folks, the the chaos in the White House, the revolving door, is just beyond any good impressions. Though I I don't get it. Like you, I can't do Trump. I can't. Have you? Have you? Can you try harder? I'm terminally unable to do Trump. Sometimes I get there, but most of the time I can't. Now Alec Baldwin does a good Trump. He he puts his lips together like that, and, and 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 he knows what. The cadence is, I just can't do it, okay? I admit <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm terrible at it. Yeah. I'm terrible. I'm strongly terrible at trying to do Trump. And and I'm from New York. He's from New York. But the whole thing just doesn't work. Maybe you should just go with the straight New York accent and then have it kind of like encompass Trump. Well, I, that would be one way to go about it. But, folks, let me just – let, yeah. Let's just go through the catalog. Okay. Think about it. Just in the past few days, Tillerson's gone. McMaster's is on his way out. Hope Hicks is gone. McEntee, gone. Scaramucci, gone. Sean Spicer, gone. Reince Priebus, gone. Bannon, gone. I mean, the number of gone people. Now, unlike Comrade Vladimir, you know, I learned from Joseph Stalin way to deal with people who are gone. We poison them. It's very simple. They sit on park bench. We unleash nerve agents against them. They are gone. Not happening in the United States because, Donald, you are weak. You need to learn from the way I do things. They be gone. They need to be gone. I don't talk about just gone, not merely exile, but dead, gone. Well, thank God we have quite... Haven't, we haven't quite reached that yet. But what do you make of a White House that's in a complete state of chaos all the time? What do our allies say about a, a guy running the country who can't even manage his way out of a paper bag? He was supposed to be the deal maker and the business guy. He, he doesn't know how to manage people. The only thing he knows how to do is say, you're fired. And all that he cares about is loyalty to him. He doesn't care about loyalty to the country. Uh, I was, you know, I made a New Year's resolution that I was going to be a kinder, gentler Trump critic. I didn't make that resolution. I missed that but one. But here we go. You know, he can't even fire people. He can't. He can't. He can't do it. Like He's a coward. Right. I mean, if, if, you, if you're going to get rid of somebody, you tell them. Like, you call them, you, you give a reason, and you, you let them curse you out, and then you should be like, you know what? I'm sorry, but I'm making the best, I'm making the best decision here. He just puts it... He just puts it out there, and it's pretty rare for him to even do that. Usually, like, he'll just, like, you know, he won't even do that. Like, they'll be like, all of a sudden, you walk in, your desk has been cleaned out, and you don't even, <laughs> the only even time, know what happened. The only time he ever fired anybody was on television in The Apprentice. Right. He can't even do that in his own reality. He's created his own reality show there in the White House. It's called I'm the President. It's my new reality show, and he can't even face somebody 
face to face and say, you're fired. It just, he doesn't know how to do it. Right. And, you know, the, th- the thing that was so interesting, and um, I know you're going to get to this a little bit later probably, but uh, you were at the um, Institute of Politics and Jeff Flake's uh, speech, which um, was really music to the ears of a lot of um, independents, you know, country club Republicans, um, and, you know, establishment Republicans here in in New Hampshire, because they see a presidency and a Republican Party that is unrecognizable to them. And, you know, in my view, there are a number of things that can you know, bring Donald Trump down. But um, in my view, I think that outside of, of Mueller and what happens there, competence is going to be his biggest problem. In that individuals viewed the Donald Trump they saw on TV from The Apprentice and the type of strength and know-it-allness that he exhibited in debates and um, on the campaign trail. And they're like, this is a guy who has it together. And, you know, I may not like all the things that he says. I may not like all his policies. But he has it together. And he is going to be able to execute on a vision that's going to make America great again or whatever. And that, to me, is going to be the biggest problem that he has amongst um, independent voters and some Republicans, you know, who swing elections, is that the guy that they have gotten is very different than, you know, what they expected. They chose between the, in their view, the the lesser of two evils, and um, they have not necessarily gotten, you know, the, the competent individual they expected. You know, I was at the New Hampshire Institute of Politics this morning, the New England Council um, and uh, St. Anselm's College um, had Jeff Flake come in, and he gave um, a, a very interesting speech because he was very, very direct. His tone was not loud. His delivery was not excited. Um, he read the speech. He, car- he clearly had carefully crafted the speech, and he left no doubt about his dismay about the state of American politics and most particularly uh, the state of play with uh, the White House leadership and the chaos, as he put it, uh, not only in the White House, but the chaos that uh, this president is foisting around, around the world. And he went through a litany of issues um, with Donald Trump and talked about um, the challenges for a Republican Party which has lost its way. Now, now people know where my politics lie, but I'm, you know, uh, at this point reporting um, that from uh, Senator Jeff Flake, who uh, is a, a very conservative uh, Republican, um, but in the traditional sense, a conservative Republican who believes uh, in limited government, in uh, careful uh, fiscal responsibility, uh, in free markets, in free trade, um, a traditional Republican who has seen his party hijacked, essentially, by far-right radicals uh, who don't believe uh, that government can be effective, and by a president who completely upends all notions of the way a president should lead in terms of moral morality and a basic American values, respect for law, respect for the Constitution. And what was clear in his speech um, was that 
he believes that this will turn around, but it will take uh, responsible Republicans of conscience uh, speaking out, speaking up, and standing up to Donald Trump. So, so however much I may disagree with Jeff Flake, who I served with in Congress, however much I might disagree with him uh, in terms of a number of policy positions, his call for a new politics that brings back some of the old politics where the common good and country before party um, is ultimately what's important uh, is, is, is critical to this country. And if it takes a conservative Republican to lead us back from the brink of the disaster we face to a better politics that works for the country, where Republicans and Democrats work together to uh, hold their positions with deep principle, but also understand they must compromise for the good of the country, uh, then I'm then I'm all for it. And um, he got a standing ovation. There were a lot of cameras and a lot of reporters because presidential 2020 has started, um, and everybody was is 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 taking. Uh, his explicitly not ruling out running for president as a sign that he is running for president. Um, but he got a standing ovation, which uh, is very unusual in my experience from speeches that are given at the New Hampshire Institute of Politics. And it's because a crowd of both Democrats and Republicans were moved. During his speech, you could hear a pin drop, except for really some... You know, when he told told a little joke, there was you know the appropriate kind of uh, laughter at at his jokes to to want to demonstrate that type of laughter for us. Yeah, <laughs> but so <laughs> <That's> it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay, we uh, got we got that. Harumph, yeah, harumph, yeah, But but the room he really had that room, and it's because what he was saying was so so important, and both Republicans and Democrats got a sense, I certainly got a sense of him um, as a as somebody who was powerfully and deeply moved by the state that our country is in and hoping to do something about it. And I join Jeff Flake in hoping that our politics can once again reflect the best of American values, that we can work together for the common good, that we can put par- country over party uh, and cure what ails us. Uh, and hopefully, once Donald Trump is gone one way or another, uh, that can happen. This is Off the Record with Paul Hodes on WKXLAM and FM, streaming live over the internet, joined by Chris Ryan and brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour, celebrate life at the Birches, call 224-9111. Folks, we'll be back to talk to Senator Dan Feltis um, about... Well, we'll talk to him about a couple of things. Maybe we'll find out where he's been this morning in his green-striped tie. Uh, Don't go away. Welcome back to Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXL. 
AM and FM streaming live over the internet and coming to you from our occasionally sunny studio high atop Concord's burgeoning Main Street as spring approaches, brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour, celebrate life at the Birches, call 224-9111. I'm really pleased to be joined today by a guy wearing a green tie, Senator Dan Feltus from Concord, who has freshly returned from an expedition to Nashua, where he was a featured guest speaker at a St. Patty Day Eve tradition down in Nashua. Senator Dan, welcome to Off the Record. It's great to be here, Paul. Thanks for having me. So I'm so glad that you're here with us today on this St. Patty's Day. For the listeners Eve. at home, that's Paul. That, that, <laughs> that, that's me. That's St. That's, that, that's Paul the Patty talking. <laughs> and uh, tell me, Mr. Senator Pancakes, um, you were, just came back from our breakfast there. And what was it like? What, who was there? And what did you say? I want to hear some of your jokes before we get into the serious business I know we're going to talk about. But tell us, what, what happened? Well, first, the breakfast, it's the Wild Irish Breakfast. It was started by Bernie Streeter. It's his 27th annual breakfast, and it benefits the Plus Company, which provides a number of services, including adult education to persons with disabilities in the southern tier part of the state, and really expanding opportunity for people to to engage in the labor market who have, uh, in some cases, severe and pervasive disabilities and impairments. So good cause. People there, uh, myself, the, the Republican chairwoman, Jeannie Forrester, U.S. Senator Maggie Hass, and Mayor Jim Donches were Oh, the, that's quite a star-studded lineup. That's really something. You and Senator Hassan and Mayor Donches and Jeannie Forrester. My, my, my. That's, a, that's kind of a, a bipartisan trifecta. <laughs> well, that's one way of putting it, St. Paul. So tell us some of the jokes. What, I want to hear some of your St. Patty's Day jokes, and I'm sure our audience is just waiting with bated breath. They can't wait to hear the lighter side of Senator Dan. So what'd you say? Uh, well, one of my jokes was President Trump will be in New Hampshire on Monday. That's not a joke. That's a public service announcement. Is that fake news? Not fake news. No, not it, fake, news. It's not it, fake news. It's real news. It's truth. You got to plan accordingly, like any PSA, Paul. You got to prepare. Okay, so that I, was one joke. So that was one joke. I see. <laughs> 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 well, that's really that that that's the jokes on us. He's coming back, is he? Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Um. What else did I say? I mean, th- these jokes were just amazing. They amazing. were great. I know, know they're always amazing almost jokes. no one laughed. It was wonderful. Well, it's a tough crowd down there. It you is know. a tough crowd. I, I mean, said, you're, you're a Democrat, and I, I imagine that the crowd is largely on the other side of the aisle. Well, you know, and then this is one joke that was not laughed at. I said, you know, Governor Sunu had confirmed to be here today. Then he deconfirmed. Then he confirmed. Then he deconfirmed. His position on attending this breakfast was much like. Is changing position on passenger rail. Oh, there you go. And I said, you know, or Trump care, or clean energy, or job training. And, you know, I talked to somebody about the breakfast. They said sometimes props are purchased, and you give out the props to people at the breakfast. So this person encouraged me to buy a pair of flip-flops for Chris Sununu to give the Jeannie Forrester, the chair of the Republican Party. And then I talked to someone else who said, you serve in the state Senate, you make $100 a year, you are not 
buying Chris Sununu a pair of flip-flops. That person was Aaron, my wife. Well, <laughs> I get that. But, you know, it sounds to me like that would be a legitimate business expense. You could deduct the flip-flops as a business expense. You could. You right. could, conceivably. From the $100 a year. Especially under uh, Trump's new you know, tax regulations. Well, that's maybe. right. But under his new tax plan, you're not going to get to deduct them flip-flops because you're probably going to be taking a standard deduction like most of America. That's true, and that's higher than 100 bucks a year. So it is St. Paddy's Day, and, and, and I'm glad that you've taken off your plastic green bowler to join us. <laughs> but I do appreciate the, <laughs> the green stripes on your very, very uh, gorgeous tie. If uh, Out in Radio Land, you can't see uh, Dan, but he is a picture of, of perfect Perfect haberdashery. He really, uh, he's looking good. You look uh, good too, today. Well, well, thank you. I, I'm actually wearing a suit today because I just came from a uh, breakfast down at uh, the New Hampshire Institute of Politics where Jeff Flake How'd that uh, go? was there. It was um, actually, it was very well attended by both Democrats and Republicans. And he talked about the need to put country over party. And he talked Good. about it in moving and personal terms. He said he hadn't ruled out running for president. And uh, he got a standing ovation. Neil Levesque, who is the uh, head of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics, said he can't remember the last time anybody got a standing ovation. And, and he really was... Um, uh, he, it was uh, it was moving to hear a senator from the other side of the aisle, from me, talk about the need to get back to traditional politics of compromise and working for the common right. good. And I recall when I was in the House with Jeff, he and I co-sponsored um, legislation to get rid of earmarks. And uh, we did it because I'm a New Hampshire Democrat, which to me means that I'm fiscally responsible and I care about it. I, I'm working with the Concord Coalition now on deficits right. and debt. Yeah. And and it was important for me going to Congress that I represent the New Hampshire values, um, bring some New Hampshire values to Washington. And so it was um, really great that we were able to co-sponsor the legislation and ultimately earmarks, which tended to be doled out by the party leadership, intended to favor uh, people who had been there a long time and had their fingers into the into the honeypot of the appropriations right. committee. Right. Um, uh, we got, you know, they were they were they were removed. Now a lot of people lament the fact that earmarks were removed, but it was an important reform at the time. And Jeff was bipartisan about it, and we were bipartisan. In fact, when I was in Congress, which wasn't that long ago, um, there was not, uh, I think on almost every piece of legislation I, uh, I authored with, uh, or my staff helped me author, uh, we sought out a Republican co-sponsor, and that was the way it was done. And Flake really, um, I think, has been very courageous. I'm very proud of yep. him. He, he said, basically, in no uncertain terms, that uh, the chaos in the White House is a disaster for the country and the world, and we'll get through it. Right. Yeah. Right. So a good reception amongst Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. And I mean, everybody good. everybody was very impressed. And there were a lot of cameras and a big scrum. And right. people really, I think, uh, are hoping that he will run for uh, president. 
um, as an antidote to what ails the Republican Party and conservatives now. He spoke in no uncertain terms, essentially about the Republican Party having lost its way in terms of true conservatism and uh, his hope that uh, this too shall pass. How did he f- define true conservatism? Well, he talked about, um, uh, li- lim- as he put it, um, uh, limited government um, uh, was uh, was his was was you know limited li- limited government uh, fiscal um, conservatism or responsibility um, uh, are some of the hallmarks that that he talked about and as we have seen in the Republican Party of today which seems to have been hijacked by both the very very far radical right and then fealty to to Trump. Um, um, uh, politics um, has trumped the com- the common good, and uh, he said it's time to get past the parties seeing the other side as enemy. Yeah, and we've yeah. got to start working together. That's true. So let's talk um, a little bit um, uh, about an issue that I know you care deeply about, um, and that is kids and the welfare of kids and and how kids uh, and their welfare are dealt with here in New Hampshire. Right. Um, and I'm thinking specifically of um, uh, what has happened uh, recently, but also historically with the DCYF. Um, the, um, um, let's uh, first take us back to some of the issues that you have been most concerned about, about uh, the welfare of children and how and, 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 and what the general state of play right. has been before some recent legislation. And then we'll get into a recent vote that was taken. But what's, sure. what happened? So historically, uh, and uh, DCYF has been under-resourced and understaffed. And what is DCYF? DCYF is Children, of Youth, uh, Children, Youth, and Families at HHS, Health and Human Services, Department of Health and Human Services, that help at-risk children, youth, and families, including in potential situations involving abuse and neglect, potential crisis situations for those families, uh, really the social workers on the ground that help our families uh, be productive and uh, help prevent the future mistreatment of children. So it's been historically under-resourced and understaffed, under-resourced in terms of computers, in terms of software, in terms of um, case tracking uh, software of different child protection cases to uh, understaffed in terms of the funding for staff, which means that their caseloads were through the roof. At one point, the caseloads per family social worker staff was 90 uh, the national standard, the ideal, is 12 uh, per person. So you can imagine people who get into this work, uh, they want to help people. Uh, at the end of the day, though, they're not able to do it or not feel like they're doing it because they have 90 cases instead of 12, and they're not giving the kind of attention uh, to each kid and to each family that they really need to give. So there's Wait, been a series of— Let me just of, ask you, when yeah. you say historically, how far back— uh, was this a sudden development in terms of the understaffing, under-resourcing? Was it sudden, or um, is there a time when when things were better and then they got then they got bad? Um, it got really bad under Bill O'Brien's legislature. Um, he cut uh, DCYF and HHS 
to a major degree. Cut a number of programs, a lot of preventative programs, cut a lot of staff out of DCYF, out of HHS, dealing with children's issues. Um, and as a consequence, we saw a lot of reports uh, of children, some cases children dying. You may have seen these in the Concord Monitor, Union Leader, elsewhere. That led to, Paul, a uh, audit of DCYF. And the final report of that audit, of that independent audit of DCYF, was released in December 2016. Here's where the legislature, you know, why do these audits if you're not going to act on them, basically? And who did the audit? Uh, it's an outside group that has has uh, expertise in, in child and protection matters. So and who ordered the audit? The legislature and the and the governor, uh, fi- you know, not ordered it, but promulgated the the passed a law to in fu- in, uh, including funding for it. So the audit was released in December 2016, among a number of foundational recommendations. They had about 60 recommendations, but they had about 15 foundational or key recommendations. One of the key recommendations is recommendation number 10 on page 15. And for those listeners at home, if you want to Google the audit, it's easy to pull up. Just Google DCYF Independent Audit December 2016. You'll find the report. It's online. On page 15, recommendation number 10 is to reinstate. We are recommended to reinstate so-called voluntary services. These are the wraparound in-home services for at-risk children, youth, and families uh, when there's a finding short of abuse and neglect but a finding of a crisis situation. Those services, Paul, are proven to be cost-effective and prevent the future mistreatment of children. In spite of the fact that this was a recommendation in that report and in spite of the fact that the department requested it be funded, uh, Governor Sununu in his budget proposal in early 2017 on the heels of that report did not fund it in his budget. So we tried, and by we I mean the Senate Democrats, tried to add it to the budget uh, in light of the recommendations of the audit report. We tried a number of amendments to help fill the gap in Governor Sununu's budget on child protection matters. Those were rejected. Uh, Flash forward to a couple months ago. A child in Derry died. Um, The child advocate which has been appointed by Kristen Inu, concluded that that child's death would have likely been prevented had voluntary services been in place. So this week, um, based on bipartisan legislation that I worked on with Senator Jeb Bradley and Senator Carson, uh, we had an opportunity in the Senate to vote on finally reinstating voluntary services among a number of other issues in child protection, including reducing caseloads. Fortunately, the Senate has voted in a bipartisan, unanimous fashion to move those bills forward. Uh, Many would say it's at least a year too late, but what I said on the floor is we recognize mistakes were made. It's time to fix the mistakes moving forward. There's no more important thing that we can do than protect our children. We're talking with Senator Dan Feltis of Concord about protecting children in New Hampshire. This is Off the Record with Paul Hodes on WKXLAM and FM. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this.
Now we're back. It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes on WKXLAM and FM. Still coming to you from our temporarily sunny but windy studio high atop Concord's Main Street where the snow has momentarily disappeared because spring is on the way with another nor'easter for next week. We're brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour. Celebrate life at the Birches. Call 224-9111. And we're very pleased to be back with you talking with Senator Dan Feltis, dapper Dan Feltis, as he's known around here, <laughs> dressed impeccably for his St. Patrick's Day at the St. Patty's Day breakfast in Nashua, um, where he's just returned laden with Irish jokes, some of which he shared in the first segment. And folks, if you missed some that, of which I can't share on air, some of which he can't share on air. So, but if you missed it, you're you're going to have to listen to the show because we're archived at Concord News Radio. Uh, dot com and we have been talking about actually a serious subject which is the welfare of at-risk children youth and families in New Hampshire and a recent vote by the state senate to finally fund a recommendation by an independent audit done um, at the behest of the governor and legislature um, to examine deficiencies at the department of children youth and families um, and uh, for some reason, uh, the recommendations of that independent audit were not followed, and uh, tragedy resulted. That's right. Unfortunately, that's that's what happened. The audit, again, in December of 2016, recommendation number 10 on page 15, recommended reinstituting voluntary services, which is a critical ser- uh, service for at-risk children, youth, and family that prevents the future mistreatment of children, it's cost-effective. It saves taxpayers in the long run. Governor Sununu didn't put it in his budget. We tried to add it during the budget process by we, I mean the Senate Democrats. That was rejected by Senate Republicans. The explanation we got, and Representative Mary Jane Walner and I wrote about this during the, the, the in the summer, said we want an all-Republican budget. Uh, instead of working in a bipartisan way, Paul, we could have gotten there, by the way, in a bipartisan budget. And they did child protection, did more for combating the opioid epidemic, did more on mental health, uh, a couple more things on infrastructure, and not done these massive tax breaks to big corporations, many of which with headquarters out of state, could have had a bipartisan budget. Instead, as Representative Mary Jane Walner and I wrote, tax breaks for the wealthy and for those at the top were made a priority instead of things like child protection. The consequences of the actions and inaction in Concord have real severe consequences around the state, including child protection. A child advocate appointed by Governor Christianu concluded that a recent death of a child in Derry would have likely been prevented had voluntary services been in place. And fortunately, this week, based on bipartisan work in the Senate, myself, Senator Bradley, Senator Carson, uh, we've taken a step forward. Uh, we need to make sure that this bill goes all the way through the process, that we finally reinstate voluntary services, that our House colleagues see it the same way, that we get it through to the finish line. Recently, Governor Sununu said he supports the bills, which is good, um, so he'll sign them. Uh, but we got to get it through the process. And the most important thing that we can do as a government, Paul, is protect our children. And another thing, too, that, that goes by the wayside during this opioid epidemic 
um, is the effect on children. And we've done taken a lot of measures by we and state government over the last several years. Not a lot, quite frankly, directed at children. And generations of children are being affected by this crisis, and, and it, it exacerbates our child protection issues. It affects our schools. It affects our families. It affects taxpayers. And the way to get out in front of it is to not be penny-wise and pound-foolish. It's to make cost-effective investments in protecting our children and making sure that they have every opportunity to live out their God-given potential and not be affected by abuse, neglect, the negative consequences potentially of, of the opioid epidemic, among other things. So we'll keep working at it. Uh, but it was a positive step moving forward. Unfortunately, mistakes were made in the past, but at this point, all we can do is fix those mistakes moving forward. And so the Senate took a good step moving forward. Uh, you, Dan, are a very, very diplomatic uh, person. And I appreciate um, your diplomacy. I want to take a step back, though, and cast this uh, in a different light because... Frankly, with the microphone, I have the luxury of calling it like I see it. And in this case, I am simply stunned by hearing you tell us that the governor is now going to support the restoration of voluntary services after excluding that from his budget. And folks, what what happens at the top in the Oval Office, what happens at the top in the Senate, what happens at the top in our very robust democracy here in New Hampshire has real consequences. And let me just put a point on this. We have the governor and legislature authorizing a study. The study says make sure you fund voluntary services because these are the services that people can use to try to prevent abuse right. uh, of yep. kids. They, and it's, that's why they're called voluntary services. They're a small but vital part of the services provided by DCYF. And the, and, and the governor and the Republican majority refused on more than one occasion to – Put the money in the budget to protect our kids. I'll say it again. The governor refused to put money in the budget to protect our kids. Now, sometimes, folks, you people out in the public can say, oh, yeah, okay, it's just a vote. It, 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 it's not that important. In this case, the refusal by the governor to put money in the budget to protect our kids led at according to the child advocate, to the death of a child. Let me say that again. The refusal of the governor to put money in the budget led to the death of a child. Now, I don't know about you, my, my listeners, and Dan, I know you're a very diplomatic person, but the idea that the governor has now flopped after he flipped and flipped and flopped and flipped and flopped on this issue says more about the true character and the true agenda 
of the government and the Republican majority, it speaks volumes to me about what they really care about. And what they really care about, apparently, are their cronies, their big shot friends, the big corporations, and the wealthy. And they don't care until they're forced, until they're forced by public opinion and good work by people like you to confront the issues and deal with it. And that is not just a tragedy, it's shameful, and they need to be held accountable. Now, I have the luxury of saying that in no uncertain terms, and I haven't been as graphic as I feel about this, but it is time that they be held accountable. And folks, you can't afford not to hold these people accountable for their inaction and their flipping and their flopping because this, more clearly than almost anything I've heard about, demonstrates what the priorities are and the lengths to which people are willing to go to ignore the welfare of the citizens of this state. Well, Paul, I share... I'm furious. I share your I'm outrage. Just, I'm I mean, furious. I'm, a par- I'm outraged. I, I'm a I, I'm a parent of a of a seven month old daughter, Iris, and this is very personal to me too. And I I try to be as as you're accurate. I try to be as diplomatic as possible. I've been trying, and I've been pushing on this, and pushing on this, and pushing on this. And I think part of the absence, to some degree, of accountability is I think when you walk down the street and you tell people, they didn't fund this. They were directed to by an audit, and they didn't fund it. I think most people find it hard to believe that if you have an independent audit that says, fund this program, it's essential to child protection. They find it hard to believe that people wouldn't do it. So they have to get beyond the, 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 the fundamental disbelief that this actually happened. And, you know, I've been talking about this and talking about this, and and a lot of times people say, why not? That can't be. No. That's what happened. It's what happened. And you know what? Part of this too, Paul, I think, and when you have the flipping and flopping and flippity-floppity and blah, 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 it deflates the world of fact, and we're living in, to some degree, unfortunately, a post fact environment where people feel like they can just say whatever they want without being held accountable. Well, certainly we've seen that from this governor, Chris Sununu, who comes off as a kind of affable, aw shucks, hey guys kind of leader. You know, he's, he's breezy, he's informal and all of that. But when you take a look at his record of flipping and flopping, but coming down at least always in the first instance on the side of big corporate interests and elitists uh, and disregarding what's best for the state. Senator Dan Feltis of Concord, state senator uh, fighting for truth, justice, uh, and the New Hampshire way. Uh, this is Off the Record with Paul Hodes on WKXLAM and FM, streaming live over the Internet, archived at ConcordNewsRadio.com, brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community, designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour, celebrate life at the Birches, call 224-9111. Dan, thanks for joining us. It's, uh, thanks for having um, me. You know, I mean, I, I know I get exercise, but this is something that you really 
really we care about. No and, doubt uh, about it. The yeah. outrage is real. Uh, folks, we'll be back to wrap up after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. It's Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXLAM and FM, streamed live over the internet and archived at ConcordNewsRadio.com. And for all you listeners, feel free to binge listen, as I know my tens of listeners love to do, on the archives at ConcordNewsRadio.com, brought to you by the Birches at Concord, New Hampshire's first assisted living community designed specifically for those living with Alzheimer's, dementia, or other forms of memory impairment. Join a tour, celebrate life at the Birches, call 2249. Well, what a show it's been. What a week it's been. The revolving door in Washington. We had a visit from the faux Rex Tillerson and a terrible impression by yours truly of Donald Trump, the carrot top cantaloupe. I, for some reason, I just can't get it. Maybe I have a, a terminal aversion to sounding like Donald Trump. And we talked to Senator Dan Feltis with a few jokes from, say, Patty's Day Breakfast, but then the more serious issue about the governor and Republican legislature flipping and flopping over funding child protection with the tragic result of a dead child. And it's the buck stops with Governor Sununu on that one. This is Off the Record with Paul Hodes here on WKXLAM and FM, streamed live over the Internet. Thanks to our listeners. Thanks to our sponsor, the Birches at Concord. We'll be back next week with more Off the Record with Paul Hodes.